Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, we are in our third talk in the series called Stories of the Kingdom, where we're looking at a sequence of parables or stories that Jesus told relating to the kingdom of God. And can I really encourage you, if you've missed out on the first and the second talks of the series, please do go to our YouTube channel, the City Church Cardiff YouTube channel, and catch up on them. They're absolutely outstanding, and they'll connect in really well with today's talk and with what is to come. As Christians, we refer a lot to the kingdom and perhaps more regularly than we realize, you know, we've prayed, haven't we, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come or thy kingdom come. Some of us will also be familiar with the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then others still, you'll have read Matthew 4, where Jesus preached a message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. But what exactly is meant by kingdom? You know, the writer of Matthew's gospel appears to have quite a fascination with the kingdom of heaven, as he mentions it over 30 times in his gospel. This probably reflected some of his own sort of personal desire to see God's kingdom come on earth. Yes, Matthew was a follower of Jesus, but he was also a Jewish man, which meant that he would have been disliked by the Romans. And he was a tax collector, of course, which meant that he was disliked by everybody. No wonder he loved belonging to the kingdom of God. I just want to give you three keys as we start this morning to really simplify things. It could be said that the kingdom includes the following three things. First of all, the reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, every kingdom needs a king, and our king is King Jesus. Second of all, the kingdom of God refers to the blessings and to the benefits that result from living under the lordship of Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, the peace that passes understanding. You do not get the peace that passes understanding outside of the kingdom of God. It's one of those benefits that stem from living under the lordship of Christ. And then thirdly, it's referring to the people of God, to us, the church, the people of God, and so much more. But that perhaps just helps to frame where we're going this morning. Now, if none of those help at all, be reassured you are not alone. And that's exactly what Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus takes time to explain here what the kingdom is like and how it operates. And he does so through a sequence of parables. In other words, if you don't get it the first time, you might get it the second or the third or so on, so on. And right at the start of Matthew 13, Jesus is at the shore of Lake Galilee and a crowd has gathered around him. You know, a lot of Jesus' ministry takes place around that lake. Jesus has been explaining to the crowd that there were two types of listeners among them at the edge of the shore. First of all, those with spiritual eyes and ears. And second of all, those 
without spiritual eyes and ears. And I wonder what kind of listener you are today, online and in the building. You see, Jesus was always really, really intentional with his words. Could it be that Jesus knew that you and I can both turn up physically and yet not really take in what he's saying? Maybe that's a challenge for all of us this morning, to be people with spiritual eyes and ears. One of the things that you'll notice as we head through this sequence of parables is just how much Jesus used ordinary, everyday objects in his stories. He did that so that you and I and the audience to which he was preaching had more of a chance of understanding the message of his parables. And so if you've heard Pastor Dominic in the first um, sort of talk of this series, he was talking about four different types of soil. And then last week, Pastor David was talking about the wheat and the weeds. But this morning, we're heading to verses 31 and 32, to the parable of the mustard seed. Obviously, Pastor Dominic knows that I like preaching for a long time, and he thought, I'll give her two verses. That's what she's getting. (sighs) If you've got a copy, a printed copy of the Bible in front of you, you'll notice that this parable is traditionally coupled with the parable of the East. So you might see a little header um, in Matthew 13 saying the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. But you'll need to come back tonight at five o'clock to hear David Oliver preach about the East. But let's turn to verse 31 and let's find out more about the kingdom of heaven. Verse 31, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So the first thing that Jesus is saying to us is that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. In these two short verses, Jesus is telling us a story about growth. He's trying to find a way of saying that great outcomes can come from small beginnings. A mustard seed is really, really tiny. But out of insignificant beginnings, it grows and has a bigger effect and impact than anyone could imagine. Now, in verse 32, when Jesus is referring to the seed as the smallest of seeds, he's not talking to them as a biologist or a botanist. He's simply drawing on the crowd's understanding of agricultural things. This seed would have been the smallest seed that they would have planted out on the fields, which in the right environment could grow to be between 10 and 12 feet, which is not a bad return for one tiny seed. This parable is a parable about growth. One of the most incredible mysteries of the kingdom of God is that its king came in human form, in the shape of a tiny baby boy not as a great military leader or commander. 
And yet that tiny baby boy would rule and reign in the kingdom of heaven and prove to be our saviour. Amen? You've gone quiet on me this morning. That breakfast was a good one, eh? Even a tiny, round mustard seed can be transformed into a tree with roots and foundations, with a tree trunk, with leaves and with branches. The transformation is so remarkable that you could hardly believe such a thing could come from such a tiny seed. And the kingdom of heaven is like that, Jesus says. But there's a second part to verse 31 if you'll just listen to it, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted it in his field. An unplanted seed is pretty useless, isn't it? It only becomes useful when it's planted. A seed must be planted into a good environment, into good soil, as Pastor Dominic explained at the start of this series. The seed will need watering and perhaps even weeding, but it must be planted in order for it to grow and fulfill its potential. Now, planting seeds can be a messy, dirty old job. And even once it's planted, that seed is going to hide for a while until it begins to bear fruit. It'll naturally go through three points of growth. It'll go through seed, through time, and through harvest. But that shouldn't stop the gardener from growing the seed. Let's just pause there a second. I wonder if our Christianity here in the West, and in particular here in Wales, and I speak as a Welsh woman, has become so clean, so sanitized, that we don't even attempt to plant the seeds anymore. (laughs) Let me give you an example of what I mean. When I was living up in North Wales um, many years ago, a group of friends, we we planted a church and the church did really, really well. We saw lives transformed. We saw people saved. We saw loads of healing, actually, loads and loads of it. And um, we were beginning to really make an impact on the local community. But then about five or six years in, for many very good and no scary reasons, we actually closed the church and dispersed into other congregations. And as a congregation, we were completely at peace with that decision. But the reaction from the outside was really interesting. Do you feel like you failed? Oh, how disappointing. Oh, you must be gutted that it hasn't lasted. We were like, are you kidding? People got saved here. People got healed here. Lives were changed. Families, whole families were saved. Did we fail? I don't think so. But we planted the seed. I wonder, has our Christianity become so sanitized that we don't even attempt to plant seeds anymore? You know what? You will never, ever, ever regret planting seeds a seed. It might be messy, but it's always worth it. I wonder what seeds God has placed in your hand today that need planting. Maybe it's the seed of a new ministry. Maybe it's the seed of an open house for hospitality. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement where you plant seeds of hope into people's lives. 
But whatever seed God has given you, please, 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 will you plant it into good soil so that it can bear fruit? You will never, ever regret planting a seed in good soil. The mustard seed of the kingdom that Jesus places in our lives is just asking to be watered. It's crying out to be planted in good soil so that it has the appropriate nutrients that it needs to grow. God has so much more for us to experience. He has faith adventures planned for you and me, which will require more faith than we currently have. So be careful to prioritize your relationship with Jesus and prioritize spiritual growth. Which brings me neatly to my second point this morning. The kingdom of God may start out small, but boy, it grows. The kingdom of God may start out small, but it grows. Let me read those two verses to you again. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Did you notice that it says when it grows, not if it grows? but when it grows, that the kingdom will grow is without doubt. In fact, exponential growth comes from this one tiny seed. Never ever underestimate the power of a small seed. No matter how new or small or fragile it might appear, if God, if God has planted the seed of the kingdom in our hearts and lives, the seed is expected to grow. When a mustard seed grows to be a tree, it doesn't just become a food or add flavor to a food. It actually provides shelter for birds and it has properties that can be used to treat infections and illnesses. Again, that's not a bad return for a small seed. As the kingdom grows inside you and I, I wonder what great things will come from our lives. Now, if nothing comes to mind immediately, or you can't pinpoint what that might be, have a listen to some accounts of people in the Bible whereby a small or seemingly insignificant action led to an amazing miracle. Think of Noah. Remember him? A man who the Bible tells us loved God. He and his family received a really weird instruction from the Lord to build a massive ark in accordance with the plans and guidelines God had set out for him. And he ended up saving humanity and the animals of the world from a terrible, terrible flood when the world was full of sin and darkness. Think of Moses. His life didn't start out particularly well, did it? He was born at a time when Pharaoh of Egypt had decreed that all Hebrew baby boys were to be drowned at birth. But Moses' mother hid her baby in a papyrus basket in the reeds along the river Nile in the hope that someone might find him and adopt him. What a start. Later on, Moses would struggle to even address his people 
because of fear and a debilitating speech impediment. And yet, and yet God made him into a significant leader. Amen? What about Esther? You know that young Jewish woman who ascended to the throne of Persia and defeated the evil advisor Haman, saving the Jewish population from a terrible fate? What about her? What about David? David, who had a seemingly lowly job shepherding sheep out on the mountain, but he was used to kill a bear and a lion and then that giant called Goliath. You know, the Lord loved David and he saw that he was a man after God's heart and he anointed him king. What about that young boy in the New Testament who shared his pack lunch? Those five loads, two fish, which became dinner for thousands and thousands of people. What about that tiny baby born in a dirty stable, surrounded by stinky animals? I wonder how his life turned out. But what about you and I? Perhaps you struggle to see yourself in the same way as some of these heroes from the Bible. But this parable tells us that when we're placed in God's hands, we can make an enormous difference. You see, we really matter. Each one of us is significant. Each one of us counts. And God wants to use us to bring glory to his name. You see, the mustard seed might start out small, but it must grow. But practically, how, how does this kingdom grow in our lives? Well, <laughs> Yeah, undoubtedly there are seasons of testing, there are seasons of stretching, but there are seasons where we just need to align ourselves with God's people, sit in God's presence, worship the Lord, sit under his word, be obedient to it. In addition to that, would you allow me just to challenge you prophetically this morning? Stop playing it safe. If you want to grow, stop playing it safe. Some of us live so safely that we don't need to pray. We don't need the Lord Jesus. And I'm not meaning to sound harsh. I'm just bringing what God has placed on my heart, you know. When did you and I really last have to step out in faith? When did you really have to trust and rely on God fully for the next step in life? When did you last go on a faith adventure with Jesus? Because you see, that's where all the fun begins. That's where you see prayers answered and miracles appear. What does kingdom growth look like in your life? Are you spiritually further on today than you were this time last year? Are you spiritually today further on than you were this time last week or last month? That's growth. That's how you measure growth. Which brings me to my third point. Every small seed carries amazing potential. There's a really famous verse in Zechariah 4 which reminds us not to despise the day of small beginnings. Isn't it easy to do that when it just looks so insignificant? And yet by despising the day of small beginnings, what we're doing is we're disregarding and belittling what God has placed on our lives. 
let's not do that, shall we? Even if we feel small or insignificant, who knows what Jesus might do in and through us? Most of the population will never know my name, will never know yours. They don't even know that we exist. But do you know what? God knows us by name and he sees us as significant. (laughs) You and I are not meaningless beings. We were created by the purposes of God, into the purposes of God, for the purposes of God. We're part of God's kingdom. There is eternal value and purpose to everything that we put our hands to, whether that's sharing our faith or being generous or encouraging people, tithing, or even having a conversation with a friend. You see, our perception of significance can be really unreliable. We think small equals insignificant. But that's not the kingdom way. Jesus is teaching us here that significance is a matter of perspective. God's perspective. And not man's. Do we have any Filipinos here this morning? Yes, we've got some down here. We had some in the the nine o'clock as well. Well, when I was 19, stroke 20, something like that, um, I spent some time out in the Philippines and I was um, doing two things really, working in a university with students, telling them about Jesus and doing hut-to-hut evangelism. And it must have been a few days before I flew back to Wales, but... um, I remember sitting on a dusty pavement with a beautiful new friend of mine called Grace. And Grace and I were chatting about, you know, our future hopes and dreams. One of those deeper meaningfuls you can only have on a pavement. And um, Grace said, Sean, I would love to travel the world and tell people about Jesus, just like you do. And I was like, well, what's stopping you? which is a bit of a rude question, really. This was one of the poorest parts of the Philippines. Really, really poor. And Grace didn't really ever been, to be honest. And she could see in the natural just how impossible it would be for her to train and to travel and to tell people about Jesus. And my little 20-year-old mind at the time had a decision to make. Do I accept what she's saying in terms of her circumstance? And, you know, she might never get on a plane, let alone travel the world. Or or do I believe that if God has said that he'll provide, that he will? And genuinely, in that moment, I had to decide, am I going to go with the word of God or go with circumstance? And I said, Grace, I really believe that if this is what God is calling you to, that he will provide. And she just kind of smiled back at me, bless her. Because it must have seemed like such a flippant comment. And yet when Facebook was created, Grace looked me up on Facebook. And she said, Sean, you'll never believe this. Um, About a year after you um, left the Philippines, OMF, the um, missionary charity, they saw what Jesus had placed on my life. And they paid for me to go to Thailand, to Bible college, to train to be a missionary. And now I'm back in the Philippines telling um, my nation about Jesus. How great is that? No, no, really, how great is that? (laughs) Come on, guys. 
This is just how good God is. In the natural, there was no chance at that stage. But God made a way, and that small, insignificant conversation meant that she genuinely did put her hope and her trust in Jesus. And her potential is being fulfilled times a billion, let me tell you. Every seed carries amazing potential. If there was anybody on the face of the planet who had an excuse to live small, it was Grace. What excuses are you making? The side of the seed is not an excuse to live small. You are bursting with potential. How do I know that? Well, because God has never created anybody that he hasn't got a plan or a purpose for. But potential must be fulfilled. Salah? I listed for you earlier some incredible heroes of the faith. People like Nose... Noses? That's a new one for the Bible. Moses and Noah and Esther and David and so on. And you might be thinking, oh yeah, but they're incredible. But you are too. You really are incredible. I said earlier, you're created by the purposes of God, into the purposes of God, for the purposes of God. Every small seed of the kingdom that you and I carry just carries amazing potential. Women and men of God today are at the forefront of tackling societal transformation. They're the entrepreneurs of the day. They're shaping medical ethics, creating rehab and addiction programs, tackling climate change, addressing human trafficking, placing worth on lives. What are those women and men doing? They're simply going about planting the seed that the Lord has placed in their lives. You see, every life is significant. I wish I could, oh, I wish you would grasp that today. Every life is significant. God has an incredible plan and purpose for every one of us. You know what? Faithfulness produces fruit. Let me say that again. Faithfulness produces fruit. So let's learn to be faithful in planting the seeds that God has placed on our lives. I wonder what kind of fruit you want to have produced by the end of your life. Well, which seeds do you need to plant today that will cause that to happen? We need to grow in our faith, but growth takes time. You see these guys who play so incredibly well on the platform every Sunday. They didn't just pick up an instrument at quarter past seven this morning and thought, I'll play guitar today. It's not like that. Playing an instrument takes time and it takes practice. And growth is like that. It takes time and it takes practice. But let's be patient in waiting on that growth to come. Back to Matthew 13 and Jesus teaching the crowd. You know, Jesus would have been keen that every single person listening would receive his message. And that's why he repeatedly asks for a response throughout Matthew 13. And so I'm going to follow his example. I'm going to ask you in the building and, and online this morning, how might you respond to Jesus today? 
The most important question I could ever ask you is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? What I mean by that. Are you at peace with God? Are things between the two of you good? Have you said sorry for the wrongdoings of your life? Have you received forgiveness? It's the most beautiful thing when you do. We're going to pray a prayer together in just a second. I wonder if it could come up on the screen. And before we say it, I want to take you through it because I want you to know what you're praying and what you're sort of signing up for, if you like. We're going to acknowledge that we've done wrong things. Every one of us is broken in so many ways. Let's be honest, we're mess-ups, we're embarrassing. (laughs) But do you know what? Those mess-ups are serious because they separate us from a perfect God. What needs to happen for that to be mended, to be reconciled, is that we simply say sorry. That's all it is. And God forgives us. Not just from a few things, but from all of our mess-ups. And then we're going to invite God, Jesus, to become our Lord and our Savior. We're going to choose relationship with him. Maybe that's the best response you could make to this message this morning. So church, together as family, can we pray that all together out loud? Here we go. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.